my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope wherever you are in the world listening to this show, you are having a fantastic day. Remember, the HR Sound Off Podcast Show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today, I get the wonderful opportunity to magnify the voice of Sriram. Sriram, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Very well. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here and for saying yes. So why don't we kick off by telling everyone a little bit about you. Who is Sriram? What is your HR story? How did you get here? Right. All right. So I've been uh, working for about 26 years, out of which about 23 years in HR. And actually, my origin story is quite interesting because I started with selling uh, Mercedes-Benz cars and I wasn't very good at it. Uh, and from <laughs> and from there, I got uh, picked to do recruitment because they thought a salesperson was more apt to kind of do recruitment because you know mm-hmm. uh, companies were hiring by uh, in huge numbers. So that's how I actually got into HR, and then from there on, from recruitment, I moved to engagement. Uh, you know, to you know, kind of business partnering, and then to HR head. So what, I've been an HR head for about fourteen years, and uh, in fact, my current role is I just got out of uh, being a CHRO and now I work with HR more as a consultant, uh, driving happiness at work. So that's my wow. kind of uh, niche right now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, my goodness. So you started in recruitment. Well, you started in sales, moved to recruitment, grew your HR career. What are some of the highlights for you um, as you've developed your HR career over time? What would you say are some of your highlights? I think my biggest highlight has been the fact that I've had the opportunity uh, to create uh, impact through human connection. I think yeah. you know more than the uh, you know the awards and and recognitions that you get. Mm-hmm. I think the critical you know milestone, if I would say, is the fact that I've been able to influence lives of people in a positive way, be it yeah. my team be it influencing the organization through the policy or through the way we treat people, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think really that's the key highlight. If there is a theme that is there, I think my theme would be that of treating people well. Yes. That's the core story of, you know, of what has, you know, kind of driven me and is what's brought me here. Mm-hmm. Treating people well. Bringing happiness at work. Yeah. I think those you you are definitely speaking my love language of HR for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, because those are the things that I think that, that move me, motivate me as an yeah. HR professional. And I'm sure you're speaking the language of most of our listeners today. 
I think a lot of HR people still at some point in their HR careers may, may struggle with this a bit. And so I love where your career has taken you now, which is to working with HR professionals and helping them to build happiness and well-being at work. So tell us what working with HR professionals to build this experience looks like. I think, you know, when we talk happiness, it's, it's very touchy-feely and people kind of associate it sometimes with pleasure and entertainment. Yeah. Uh, but it's in my hard. own research and my own journey, I found that it's way beyond that. And right. it's a multi-pronged, you know, aspect. There's no single kind of driven thing saying that it's, you know, kind of thing. So it's a more broader theme, which is more holistic and it's it's more about life. And that's one of the things that sometimes we don't realize at work is that we want to say, oh, work is work and life is life. But but actually, in truth, uh, they're all intertwined and there's no separating each from the other. So uh, just to answer your question, there are three elements that I look at. One is uh, to get people to look at happiness from the perspective of habits. If you can learn to be happy today, you can learn to be happy tomorrow and the day after. And how do you learn to be happy today is really to fix the way you live today. And those happen through habits. If you can learn habits and if you can do some habit stacking and build, you know, you know, and because these have scientific ways in which your the chemicals that drive happiness in your system, yes. they can get elevated. And instead of the pleasure elevation where they go up and come down, if you can do it in a sustainable way where you take it up slowly, but it stays there then those are the ones that drive, you know, kind of happen. So that's about your habits in a day. The second right. is that we must pursue excellence. We must maximize the impact that we can have. And for that, we need to be productive as people. We need to learn to manage our minds. We need to learn to manage our emotions. We need to have good relationships. And that is what will help us, you know, achieve excellence in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the third aspect of what I kind of try to uh, kind of, teach people is around human centricity, that we're all human beings. We're, we're all here to evolve and learn and become better human beings. And the workplace is another place where this also has to happen. So we need to treat people with respect, you know, give them, you know, the kind of care that they need, uh, you know, and, and be respectful, you know, eliminate biases, uh, you know, bring in aspects of mindfulness, gratitude, and, and really, you know, kind of take care of teams. And that is when genuine care is what people will reciprocate to. And I think those are my three elements. So basically, habits, happiness habits, uh, pursuit of excellence, and human centricity. Those are the keywords yeah. that I use. I love those. I think when we talk about bringing your entire human to work, it really does center around those things yeah your habits your um pursuit of excellence and your human centricity i think it really does center around all three of those things and you ma you made mention of something really important which is initially a lot of times people will think of this as fluff right why does it even matter you know i pay people to do a job who cares if they're happy at work yeah. but we've learned over time through studies and surveys that happiness at work does matter when you have Gallup reporting that only 20% of our population globally yeah. is engaged, actively Correct. engaged in the workplace, you realize the more importance, even more so, of why happiness at work matters 
You agree? And, and just imagine the potential that the data point is giving you, which is mm-hmm. if you can get that to increase to even 60%, let's not go to 100 because 100 is literally impossible to achieve. Yeah. But even if you can go to 60%, you're literally going to, if not, you know, kind of triple, maybe even double your productivity. And that's all it takes. Just do these three things. So it is teach people to be happier, you know, give them a ability to pursue excellence and then treat people well. And you mm-hmm. could well, you know, kind of, this is the secret sauce that people are not getting. And, you know, yeah. and that's my whole thing. And I realized that, you know, happiness has a little bit of a, oh, we're okay with well-being. We're okay with engagement. But happiness is a little bit of a stretch. Let's, stretch. we're not sure we want to go there. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that that's changing. That's changing. People are realizing that, especially post-COVID, uh, when, you know, choices have improved, the multi-generational workforce, you know, is very particular about what they want. Organizations are realizing that, you know, the earlier, and I think the earlier attempt was, a lot of it was around management and management wanted to control the outcomes because mm-hmm. predictability was good for business. Yes, right? yes. But the fact is that human beings are more than that. Okay. And if you give them the right ingredients, they're going to excel. They're going to do far more than mm-hmm. your predictable, you know, control-based outcome that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that because you just hit the nail right on the head in terms of why it is that I think a lot of organizations do struggle with getting their workforce to be engaged. We have to look at happiness as one of the most important metrics. And so the question becomes, well, then how do you measure happiness at work? But I think you've talked about some things that are really key and important here, which is the human centricity. It's not just about the work, but, you know, how do I give you the right tools, equipment, plant to make you feel like you can do your job successfully and recognize the things that you need in your environment to make you thrive? or help you thrive? Do I provide you with the opportunities to develop and grow and harness your competencies and skills, therefore helping you to pursue excellence? But do I also give you opportunities to be more mindful and present with yourself and understand who you are and what you need in order to do this job effectively as a human being contributing to a cog in um, this big wheel that we call the organization? I love that. Yeah. No, I think on the metrics, I, I'd like to keep it simple. I'm saying that if you do it right, the mm-hmm. key metrics that should improve is your output, is your yeah. productivity, is your attrition. All three mm-hmm. things that matter at a core level. If you want, if yes. you get loyalty, you get better output, and overall, you know, your profitability improves. That's the yes. key. But for that to happen, it has to be a proper, you know, strategy. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I want to tell people is that you need to focus on emotions and feelings as a strategy Mm. we sometimes achieve it through culture or through specific leaders who are naturally you know more people-centered but that's not the way to go about this this is a strategy there are emotions the most powerful driver of performance is emotion and where are you tapping into that in a in a structured way right there's no approach all we do is we have logic, we have tools, we have resources, we have SOPs and policies and all of that. Mm-hmm, but we mm-hmm. forgot that, you know, every human is different. Yes. Okay. And if you can get the maximum out of that person, that is what you're looking for. But that's mm-hmm. not easy. 
No. You know, that's where, you know, if you do scale and say, okay, one size fits all, and this is what will work for everybody, that never works. Never. You know, just like your yeah. diet, you know, never works for everybody. It's all mm-hmm. specific. You have to Correct. deal, which is why the leader and the manager have to be human-centered because then they can do this. Yes. Okay. But if you load the leader and the manager with so many things that they have to do and then managing people is about 20% of their you know, kind of uh, work model, then that's, yeah. that's just enough time to do your one-on-ones, just have basic conversations with people. That's not going to drive, you know, significant change. No. Yeah. We still got a lot of work to do, but the good thing is that it's it's happening and we're seeing some shift. Although we're seeing some retrospection in some countries as well, um, it's almost as if they didn't learn anything from the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. But we're happy to see the companies that did making the necessary changes to really meaningful and intentionally support their employees in a way that helps them to recognize we do care about you as a human being and we do want you to develop and grow and as you said then when we when we feel that as employees we are more likely to be more loyal more engaged more creative and then that in turn impacts the customer experience which as you said increases increases our profits so thank you for sharing that i think i think companies will follow suit because everybody is looking for that edge and this is the edge it's just that they're not sure it'll work they Mm -hmm. have to see a few places that have made it work and once that happens and then you know everybody's going to be chasing this because they everybody's looking for that edge and yes. the edge is in the human. It is not in your tools. It's not in your software. It's not in your AI. You know, the human is far more advanced AI than anything else that you can get. Why Correct. are you not, you know, kind of uh, tapping into that? Because it is difficult. There is no yes. proclaimed way. It's not kind of thing. We're going through shifts. We're going through, you know, kind of uh, transformations. But I think, you know, once people can see evidence of it working in few places, I yeah. think people are, you know, kind of thing. It's still uh, perhaps mm-hmm. about five years uh, in in the, you know, in the going because it takes time for people to get yeah. convinced and then shift the ways of which, you know, kind of how they've done things. But I think, you know, it's on it's on the anvil. Wonderful. I think so too. I, have, I absolutely agree with you. Five years. We'll wait and see. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this, um, Shriram. What has you excited about being in the HR space right now? What's keeping you here? For me, it's always about the fact that creating meaningful impact is not easy. And HR is one of those professions which allows you to be able to do it. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a few instances which, you know, which is what keeps me you know, kind of going in a way. When I was, you know, in maybe about 15, even more than that, uh, working, I had a person who came in as a housekeeping staff. And this person was had great attitude, wanted to learn, wanted to do kind of things. So he would spend extra hours, you know, try, being part of the whole thing. He was a housekeeping staff. He was just expected to clean and, and go away. But he would stay back and want to learn. He would go for English classes after work and so on. And then from there, we saw his, you know, attitude and then we said okay let him pick, pick him up as an office boy so he would then do the filing then he said i want to learn computers he learned computers then he became a, a temporary staff you know a consultant 
and then mm-hmm. became a full-time employee. And in the history of that big firm, this was the first person who transitioned from a housekeeping staff to a full-time employee. Wow. Okay, and, and all credit to him. And and just mm-hmm. being a part of these stories, right? Yeah. That is that is incredible. And there are mm-hmm. other stories where, you know, people would come back to me after many years and say, hey, uh, you know, my mom had cancer and we had a problem with insurance. You intervened, you got some, you know, extra allowance cleared for us and it made a huge difference. And I don't remember any of these, you know, and, yeah. and this is, you know, many, many years later, people come and tell you. But that's that's the potential. That really, you know, uh, and and that opportunity is not that much. You know, yeah. when you get that opportunity to be able to do that, we must use that opportunity. And I think that is what HR can do. It can significantly impact lives of people in a positive way. And yeah. we must, you know, kind of respect that opportunity and use it also well. Absolutely. I love that. It's all about making a difference, right? Yeah. And there's another story where, you know, I met somebody, you know, on the on LinkedIn and he said, hey, I know you. Of course, I didn't know that person. Then he said, no, you actually helped my brother about 10 years ago when you were in a different location. And then this person, through this person, uh, I went on to get an opportunity to speak at the TEDx Forum. Mm-hmm. Okay, So in a way, you know, what you do pays off. It's not just yes. that, you know, that you're doing it and thing. Of course, you don't do it with the intent that you'll get no, back something. But, exactly. but, you know, there is a way that, you know, good gets paid back and you have exactly. to trust that and it happens. Oh, yes. I think there's, I always believe and I was raised to believe there's more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. And as you find joy in giving, things just have a way of coming back to you yeah. um, as long as you yeah. continuously give from a good heart when you're giving yeah. from a good place. Yeah. And then Without you expectations. Never... Just do yes. what you're meant to do and, and let it be. And then, you know, in some way or form, something, you know, will come back to you and, and trust. And, and you don't do it because you want it to come back. You just do it because exactly. that's the right thing to do. Exactly. You want to make a difference and make pe- people feel like they belong, that they have, you know, there is hope and that there are good people. Yeah. You know, you want to restore some people's faith in humanity because yeah, a lot of yeah, people have yeah. lost that faith. And, and and one of the tips I want to give people is stop following news. You know, mm. I used to read new four newspapers and then I just stopped all of them. It's, it's almost been about 10 years since I've stopped following news. The world is, is doing well. I'm doing well. What is critical <laughs> comes to me in some way or form. So yeah. and now I get time to follow the things that, that interest me. So I'm not randomly sucked into something which, you know, which is fear-based, but I then really go and look for, even if it's sport, and I go and look for what I'm, you know, I really want. And I just fo- focus on that. Or if it's, you know, kind of, I want to know something, I'm, I'm looking for something, I get that. Rather than being bombarded with things which eat your, you know, mind space and then cause, you know, constant anxiety and pressure. Yeah, that makes total sense. I absolutely agree. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to ask you, being as busy as you are, Shiram, what do you do to take care of yourself yeah. as giving so much to others, being the consummate professional that you are? What do you do to take care of you? Sure. I think four things that I want to tell people that is a must do. Meditation. It's a superpower. Uh, even 10 minutes is good to start with. And maybe if you can do and consistently, if you can do about 20 minutes of meditation, a significant game changer 
because there are so many studies and so much research on the benefits of meditation and you know some people say oh try tried it it didn't work but see you have to you know when you tried to cycle or you tried to ride a bike it didn't come in your first try right you fell a few times and you kept at it and then it comes right and and hence and that's the same way that but you're dealing with a more difficult you know kind of thing which is your mind right so yes. there is going to be some but it's a significant uh, you know benefit that uh, that i would prescribe that for everybody from children on need to be taught this and it's not it's not religious it's not even spiritual it's just you know just fundamentally useful as yes. a tool second is of course gratitude i think you know we are just so ungrateful for everything that we have anything you know that you think of as a problem there are probably about 90% people who are far worse than your you know problems and mm-hmm. you know we need to just be more grateful if we are more grateful we stop picking faults we stop judging we stop yeah. looking for you know issues and mistakes because if you look for problems you will You'll find, find it absolutely yeah, it's not that you're not going to find it right the third mm-hmm. is journaling uh, i mm-hmm. found journaling to be extremely useful for two purposes one when i'm angry or when i'm not able to let go you just write and that's a you know incredible way to you know kind of let go of stuff in a in a way which is you know sometimes you get angry and then you pass it on to somebody else and yes. that's not constructive constructive no. way to be able to come back into balance is to use journaling as a as a tool and journaling can also be used for insights when i'm struggling with something just let the noise out just write and you know slowly you know insight emerges of course it takes time you have to do yes. things the last is of course is exercise if mm-hmm. you can incorporate these four things as part of your day and not even you know extended periods of time even if you can just you know kind of uh, thing and that's one of the things that i actually uh, actively teach people to say do habit stacking make yeah. sure that these are there as part of your day because if you want to live a full purposeful meaningful life you know you have to take care of yourself and these are the things that are your fundamental building blocks yes thank you so much for sharing those i i love every last one of them i am a huge fan of meditation um, yeah. i do believe that that is very important and so when i first started getting into meditation it was a challenge but like you said if you do it a little bit at a time Uh, now I can't think of a day that I don't practice some yeah. form of mindfulness and also journaling or brain dumping um, yeah. and getting those things out. Exercise very very yeah. important because your body requires movement, yeah. Yeah. and I think that all of these things are very necessary and important. So yes, thank you so much for sharing those and honing down on on each of and every single one of them because they really are valuable tools. Yeah. that are yeah. very easy for us to access because it's tapping into ourselves yeah right through sometimes the problem is because something is simple right you take it for granted yes and it's you, true you know, because journaling doesn't require any fancy stuff right it just requires no. a pen and paper but That's then right. you say oh okay it's just writing what's the big deal but the fact is you have to do it to experience it and it's a complete game changer if you do it yes you're absolutely right thank you for sharing that Tell us what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate, and it doesn't have to be HR related. Yeah, 
I I like action movies, so I watched Equalizer three. Uh, I quite like the you know kind of uh, action stuff that was there as a mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but in terms of, I'm a big reader, uh, mm-hmm. so I keep reading you know all kinds of books. The books that I would certainly you know recommend are Atomic Habits, you know yes, Deep Work. Uh, those are two things which i use extensively you know to kind of guide my way of teaching and and uh, things like that i'm also reading some new books there's a book called uh, solve for happy by mo uh, by mo godfrey an ex google you know kind of thing very similar thought process to some of the things that i've you know kind of uh, been talking about and that's mm-hmm. the reason that people like him who are professionals are now you know kind of who've been through that journey of uh corporate grind and you know emptiness and and things like that and then realize that there is more to life and more to yeah. the way you do things so those kind of uh, things i think yeah some of those things have lots of you know kind of uh, mm-hmm. philosophical stuff also that i'm kind of reading yeah. uh i'm doing work on uh, purpose so uh, there's ikigai but i find that ikigai doesn't answer all the questions so okay. i'm evolving my own model of uh, purpose with a little bit of uh, say more say more cuz i do like ikigai all right so uh if we, i find that ikigai is 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 useful when you're looking at purpose from the uh, angle of uh, a career or a material you know kind of progression but what right. what about people who don't have a career what about housewives what about people who are older you mm-hmm. know you know they don't have a profession and things like that right so then there is the element that you know it comes back to some of the things that I'm, i was talking earlier which is there are three aspects really from thing one is the aspect of of course there is material and the key there is two aspects one is find your unique strength and play to it that is excellence mm-hmm. that is purpose that is meaning if you can bring your strengths to the fore that's one of the keys second mm-hmm. key of the same thing is that that should be in service of something else that should be a contribution everything in the world is designed to serve something else when it's alive or dead and yeah. and you are no exception so yeah. two keys to that is identify your unique strengths and you know make them as something that can contribute right those are the two things which in a way get covered in your ikigai the ones that don't get covered are more a little bit you know kind of off beat but but relevant is my own theory is that there is also a karmic principle at play which which is that you know everything has a payoff everything has you know good and bad to it and sometimes when bad things happen to good people that is the karmic you know kind of uh, pattern at play and there okay. at that point of time our purpose is to live through it gracefully is mm-hmm. to learn from it saying mm-hmm. what is this instance or what is his experience trying to teach me mm-hmm. and that is the purpose at that point of time mm-hmm. and the third is more of a spiritual purpose which all of us come to evolve we come to learn something at a very deep level we learn to become more grateful we learn forgiveness we learn to let go of uh, anger you know we learn to let go of fear and these are the intrinsic things that along so these are all intertwined right you live your strength you bring your uniqueness you know kind of uh, to the table you make it as a contributor to something else when you face difficulty you go through it with grace you look at the learning that it offers you and constantly evolve yourself to be a better human 
by mm-hmm. learning to you know deal you know evolve yourself by you know letting go of forgive letting go of anger learning yeah. to forgive being less judgmental all the you know kind of higher level learnings that that we need so these all three are at play sometimes even at old age the last stage is at play that is if you've not let learn to let go of resentment mm-hmm. you know so you get that opportunity to live that purpose at that time and i still mm-hmm. find you know that people are not willing to let go yeah. okay so your material the thing is done you have enough your you know kind of thing but then you you still not learned that lesson of learning yeah. to let go and then and hence that is the purpose at that point of time so right. if you look at this that then for every stage of your life there is meaning for every experience that you go through there is meaning so purpose right. is not just this one single pronged element it has mm-hmm. different things at play but there is a theme to it there is a theme right. to it learn you know for example for me it's something like i need to learn to be more loving okay my expression of love is very limited you know i'm i'm logical i'm you know kind of grateful and all that but my expression of love is something that i certainly you know need to learn more of so i get that opportunity as a thing so these are the uh, three things and i feel you know these have to kind of thing and that explains many situations where we cannot use ikigai to explain you know and it's it's broader life concept rather than just work mm-hmm. very interesting Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I have a book called Happiness Habits so I have, you know, some of these elements at play over there as well. Yeah. Right. So we will definitely include that in the comments for people to check it out and I definitely will be reading that. Thank you for sharing. The last question, the big question to Ram is yes. what is the biggest misconception about HR that really wow. bothers you that you want to <laughs> set the record straight on right here right now? You oh, are yeah. smiling well, already. <laughs> I think uh the biggest issue that i have is people think anybody can do hr mm-hmm. and uh, and in a in a disrespectful way which is that yeah. you know sometimes you ask leaders and they say okay if i don't get anything anyway i can at least land up in hr mm. you know and i find that that's that's not okay because this is not a job that anybody can do first yes some leaders some people who are good with people can perhaps learn to do it and i'm not against business people being in hr but i think i am you know the element of that the respect that the job needs has to be you know kind of given and it is extremely nuanced it's extremely complex the most difficult thing to do today in the workplace is to deal with humans yep. you can deal with machines you can deal with code you can correct you know things you can deal with policy the most difficult thing to do is to deal with humans and hr is doing that in and out and to say that it's just a simple thing is just plain disrespectful this is so i think that is the key that i want people to kind of change and there are so many sensitivities there are generational preferences you know and there of course there is more domain also in terms of your learning your assessments your you know comp surveys and things like that so yeah. you know leaving just the domain part the just the fact that it is complex you know mm-hmm. and we shouldn't you know kind of at any point you know kind of be be little this uh this job mm-hmm. and it's not easy i've been there 14 years i've done it i know the politics and if you look at anybody the, what causes stress yeah. most times it's because that people are not able to deliver mm-hmm. okay and that is where the issue is and then the issue is how do i motivate people to deliver and and that's where your struggle is all the stress that people or leaders have most times if you kind of drill it down it comes to the fact that it is difficult to deal with people yes 
very so I think I'll, I'll kind of stop there and uh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. I it always bothers me when I hear people say, you know, anyone can HR or yeah. you know, I didn't elect to be in HR. I know what it's all about because you yeah. didn't elect it. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. or I did a, a certificate like that's yeah. Now I'm an HR expert, you know, those kind of things really do rub me the wrong way. And as you said, I think it takes a very special person also to be in HR because they have to, we share our heart so yeah. much with yeah. people and the heart is the seat of, you know, everything that we do. And yeah. so to share our heart and to take in people's trauma, pain, yeah. experiences, Everyone cannot do that. But as you said, HR is very complex. It's not, we go from one thing to the next. And I think, yeah. I think HR people at the best part may be more neurodivergent than others, the way we have to swap and switch from one thing to yeah. the next all the time. And so I absolutely agree with you on that. And that's a soapbox we could jump on together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thank you so much for being here today, Sri Ram. I really do appreciate it. As I said, could you please tell our audience who are listening today, if they want to connect with you and learn more about you and the work that you're doing, where can they find you? I think the best way to you know kind of connect with me is through LinkedIn. Uh, I go by Sri Ram S. If they can just type Sri Ram S and happiness, I think I'll pop up. And yeah. uh, I'm, you know, kind of writing quite extensively, doing, you know, kind of uh, webinars as well. So uh, yeah. that's the place, you know, to think. I'm also on Instagram. I have a handle called Build Happiness Habits, uh, largely, you know, around my book and uh, stuff like that. But LinkedIn would be the best place for them to connect. With me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your space and time you. with me today. I really do appreciate it. Wishing you um, all the best and please stay in touch. Um, let's definitely. have more conversations around happiness at work. I definitely think our audience would love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.